Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's Word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We started a couple weeks back our, our series, The Power of Re, and we've been exploring these words that start with re uh, throughout the Bible. We talked about renew and we talked about remain last week. And, uh, and you know, the renewing was about how we need to be continually uh, renewing our spirit. And then the remaining is, is that sometimes, quite frankly, as being a follower of Christ, things can get a little bit difficult. If you've been following Christ for any amount of time, has things ever gotten difficult? A couple of you. If, if not, it's coming, believe me. Um, you know, there's some people out there that believe, oh, well, once I believe in God, everything should be nice and easy, right? And, uh, and unfortunately, that's not the way it is. But it's important for us to remain in God, remain in Christ. Well, the reword that we're talking about today, and for those of you that have little uh, note sheets, you can follow along if you want to, or you can follow along uh, on the screen. Um, but it's the word repentance, repentance. Um, have you guys heard that word before? A lot of us, have, most of you probably heard the word repentance at some point in time. And, uh, and repentance is mentioned over a hundred times throughout the Bible. And, uh, and, and this is an interesting word, and we're going to look at why it's interesting a little bit later. But have you ever noticed that in our culture, for the most part, we like to avoid talking about things that are like sorrowful and down. And we, and we like to keep things kind of kind of upbeat. I mean, we're, we're in America. We're supposed to have the pursuit of, of happiness, and we want to be happy. So as we're, we're pursuing happiness, we don't like to talk about words like repentance and, and, and sorrow and things like that, you know, uh, like that, that old, you know, one of the stupidest quotes in the world was, what is it, love means never having to say, I'm sorry. I'm like, who came up with that? Like, like, were you brain dead? I mean, come on. Love means never having to say, I'm sorry, man. You try that with the relationships in your life for like a week and see how that works out for you, okay? And, uh, and let me know, and, uh, and I'll, I'll counsel you afterwards. Um, but we, we want to we think happy thoughts, right? Like, oh, I got to think happy thoughts. I got to go to my happy place, you know? And, uh, and then, then the people, they say these things. Like, you see these quotes, like, on Twitter, right? Like, if you dream it, you can be it, you know? It's like, well... You know, I want to be an astronaut, but I'm never going to be an astronaut. And you might be like, I want to be a professional football player. But it's like, well, sorry, man, it's not going to happen. And, and just because we dream about something doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. But we like to think of all the happy thoughts, all the good things, and we get obsessed with these things. But as a result, we're often not actually experiencing the life that God has for us. Because people aren't willing to live this life of repentance. Peter, in the Bible, he went to the temple, and, uh, and as he was going to the temple, there was a lame beggar there. And this beggar wanted a handout. He wanted some money. The problem was Peter didn't have any money. And, uh, and Peter looked at him and said, sorry, buddy, I don't got any money, but I'll give you something even better than that. Um, I, he said, take my hand, and, and he lifted him up, and he healed him, and the guy started walking. I mean, that, that's a pretty incredible thing. And so he's walking, and he's dancing around and all this stuff. And then all the people gather around, like, man, this guy has been crippled since birth. 
And uh, and they wanted to kind of hear what Peter had to say. I mean, if somebody came in here and healed someone that was crippled from birth, we'd probably want to hear what he had to say. And and then he looks at them, and here's the interesting thing. This is only like a short period of time after Jesus had been crucified. And he looks out to them and he says, you want to hear what I have to say, but you are the very same people that only a few weeks ago were chanting for Jesus to be crucified on the cross. But listen to what he says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. He says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. He's looking, now, now if, if we were looking at a, a crowd of people that just all were trying to murder our best friend, we might not like even want them to repent. We might not even want them to get right with God, right? But, but Peter says, no, repent of your sins and turn to God. Many people are dry and they're weary in their life. And, they, and maybe you, you're at a point in your life where you feel like you need a, a breath of fresh air, spiritually speaking. You need, you need a, a new relationship with God. And, it, and it's there, it's available for us, but it's often we got to get it through going through repentance. So here's a few things that repentance is. The first thing in your notes is repentance is a changed mind. Repentance is a changed mind. If we look together in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, starting in verse 9, it says, Yet I am happy, not because you were made sorry, because your sorrow led you to repentance. Now, we often get those words confused. Now, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But it says, but you became sorrowful as God intended, and so you were not harmless in any way. Verse 10, it says, godly sorrow brings what? Repentance. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings what? Death. Now, think about that. See, sorrow is not repentance. Sorrow is not repentance. See, we get this worldly sorrow. You know worldly sorrow? It's something that destroys us from the inside out. Worldly sorrow is actually, in a way, kind of selfish. It's like I did something, I feel bad about it, um, and I feel like I might be, get caught, or maybe I did get caught, so now I'm going to apologize. I'm going to say I'm sorry, right? Anyone have kids and you tell them to go say you're sorry? Right? I mean, we're like, oh, and they go over and like, sorry. I'm like, I don't even know why I make my kids do that, honestly, because it's like, because like, you're, you're obviously not really repentant. You're obviously not really sorry. It says, worldly sorrow brings death. It destroys us. Because we're viewing sin from our perspective. Oh, well, I'm sorry that I did that because, well, now, you know, I got caught. And I'm really, I'm really, I'm sorry I got caught. Or I'm sorry you didn't like what I did. We're, we're viewing the consequences as an annoyance, right? I have consequences now because I did this. You know, I cheated on my taxes for the last five years, and now the IRS is coming after me. I'm sorry, right? We're not really sorry, are we? We're like, I'm just sorry that you found out. You know, I'm sorry that I wasn't smart enough to avoid this even longer. I'm just kind of sorry. Like, you see a hashtag, sorry, not sorry, means like, I'm going to say I'm sorry, but I'm really not sorry. I really don't care what you think. Sorry, not sorry. And we go around, we, say we, we apologize for things. It's like this guy, and, and, and he went to his counselor to finally confess something. And he said, I, I have a confession to make. I've been working in my business, 
and, uh, and nobody realizes this, but I actually embezzled, I stole $1,500 from my, from my job this past year. And the counselor looks at says, wow, that's really not good. We need, to, we need to do better with this. And the guy says, well, what do you suggest I do? He says, well, here's what you should do. Next year, only steal $1,000. And then the year after that, only steal $500. And then by the next year after that, you'll be all set to go, right? I mean, it's like, come on, is this really repentance? It's not even real sorrow. It's like, well, I just don't want to get caught. I just want to make my conscience feel a little bit better. And the problem is, is we go around and we're just saying sorry, and we think, oh, repentance means I'm saying I'm sorry. But when we start getting annoyed with God, because we're like, man, God, you know, these things aren't going on good in my life, and I start getting annoyed, and I start blaming God, because this worldly sorrow produces death. See, what godly sorrow is, is instead, is it's just something inside of us that says, what have I done to God? What have I done? I am so ashamed of my behavior, of what I did, and how it affects God. And see, we need to allow God to change our mind about our rebellion and about our self-serving lifestyle and the things that we're doing. We can say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And we come to church that, God, please forgive me for these things. But all we're doing is we're just saying words. It's just this worldly sorrow. See, godly sorrow is viewing our sin through God's eyes, saying, wow, I realize what I did actually breaks God's heart. And, and I need to, to change this. It's preventing me from getting close to God. Here's where the confusion comes, though. If you look up in Webster's Dictionary, you see the, de- the definition of repentance. It's in your notes. It says, repentance is deep sorrow, compunction or contrition for a past sin, wrongdoing, or the like. Regret for past action. Now, a lot of times when we hear hear repent, that's what we think. We think sorrow. The problem is, is that's not at all what the author was talking about. He actually used a different word. The word is metanoia. And, And the problem is, is when the people translated this initially, like there was so many middlemen, and I'm just going to get geeky for just a second. So, you can tune out if you want to. But um, they translated the, the Bible from the Greek and Hebrew, went to the Latin, and then from the Latin to the English. And so there were some difficulties in that. And this was one of the words. They said, oh, what does this mean? Metanoia. We're going to write the word repentance. means sorrow, deep sorrow. And we'll put that in there. The problem is, is the word metanoia is, is so different. Listen to what the word metanoia means. It says a change of mind and determination to lead a better course of life. Isn't that, you see the difference here? This is repentance is sorrow. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 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 not sorry, you know? And, and, and whereas metanoia is actually more of a transformation. It actually doesn't have anything to do with apologizing at all. It has nothing to do with even being sorry. If you remember the verse we just read, it says the sorrow leads to repentance. So the sorrow comes first, and then the repentance actually has nothing to do with being sorry. What repentance has to do with is a change of attitude, a change of mind. So actually, a lot of the dictionaries went back and said, well, we're going to add this as another definition of repentance because we happen to use this word. And some translations will actually clarify, says repent and change their ways, or to repent and turn to God. 
Because what happens in life is we go through life and we want to add Christ in our life, but we don't want to subtract sin, do we? We want to add all the good things. Oh, God, you said you're going to bless me. I could use some blessings. Oh, God, you know, you want me to do this or that? Oh, that's great. I want the good things. I want a little bit of God, but I want to take away. I don't want to subtract the sin from my life. I don't want to stop doing the things. I'll apologize for it till I'm blue in the face. You ever do that? I mean, don't raise your hands now, man. That'll get awkward. But you ever do that? Where you're like, man, I shouldn't be doing this. And I apologize to God over and over and over. And I keep apologizing. I keep apologizing. I'm repenting to God. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Yes, God, I intend to do it again tomorrow, but I'm sorry for it today. That's not repentance. We want to add God without subtracting sin. See, God wants to change your mind. He wants you to see this differently. He wants you to see it from his perspective. Like there's a song that we sing, and part of the bridge is, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, you know, what is it that breaks your heart? My sin breaks your heart. Well, then let that break my heart too. So it's not like I'm just stopped doing this thing so I don't get caught and because there's repercussions and because somebody thinks this is a bad habit or somebody this annoys you, but I'm going to stop it because it breaks God's heart. I'm going to quit apologizing. I think if God could speak to us right now, he might just say, stop your apologizing and just change. Man, I mean, think about it. If you're a parent and, you're, and your kid keeps like, you know, kicking you in the shed, right? Boom, I'm sorry. Boom, I'm sorry. It's like, okay, that's great that you're stop apologizing and stop kicking me in the shin. So seeing our sin, our rebellion, our selfishness, not for how it affects me, but for how it affects God. So repentance is a changed mind. The next thing is repentance is a changed direction. Repentance is a changed direction. In Acts chapter 26, verse 20, it says, it says, I preach first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles. This is Paul saying that he's, or Luke saying, that, uh, talking about Paul and these, these disciples, how they were preaching to all these people, must repent of their sins and do what? And turn to God. You must repent of your sins and turn to God and prove what? Prove. Let's read that together. And prove they have changed by the what? Like, well, I repented. I repent. Oh, but I'm still doing the same thing. I repented. God said, you know what? You, you say that you're changed. You say that you've repented. Now prove it. Now prove it by changing the way that you're living. Prove it by the good things that you do. See, we, repentance is first a changed mind, but it's not a changed mind only. It's a changed action and changed behavior, changed trajectory for the course of your life. See, a divinely changed mind will always result in changed behavior. Don't tell me that you've repented of your sin if you're continuing to live in it. You're just fooling yourself. And you're not fooling anybody else around you, though, but you're fooling yourself. Oh, I repented. No, you have not. You've not repented. You, you, you've had some worldly sorrow. Oh, God, please forgive me. Sorry, not sorry. Hashtag, you know, whatever. 
Not really sorry that I did that. Not really sorry I cheated on that. Not really sorry that I lied. Not really sorry, but I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I feel bad about it. Whatever, sorry, not sorry. I'm not going to change my behavior, though. God wants us to be obedient. It's like if I asked my oldest daughter, Belle, and if I said to her, said, Belle, go clean your room. She goes into her room, and she comes back out an hour later. And I'm like, do you know what I said? She's yes, yes, I memorized it. You said, go clean your room. I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been, I've been pondering it. In fact, I got, I got, you know, Reuben and Macy together and we talked about it. We had a little, a little go clean your room study. You know, we said, oh, what do you think he meant by go clean your room? Oh, I don't know. What do you think he meant? Maybe he meant that we should act like we're cleaning out um, the cobwebs in our mind. And they're like, well, no, no, I go clean your room. Just go and do it. It's obedience. It's changed behavior. God doesn't want a confession of sins, but of a changed mind. This is a fundamental change in the way that we live and think. So many people, so many people that call themselves followers of Christ, they go through their life doing this. Oh, I, I repented of that. I repented of that. But you're still doing it. That makes absolutely no sense. Let's just call it what it is. Say, well, I, I, I pretended to be sorry. <laughs> you know, that's really what it was. I, I acted like I was, I said I was sorry to somebody. I got caught, so now, huh, I feel bad. I'm selfish, so I don't want to experience pain. I'm not sorry because God's broken my heart for what breaks his. I'm not, I'm not repentant because I see how it's hurting God's heart. A changed mind brings changed direction. If your mind is changed, then you're going to act and behave differently. Now, I would guess that if we, if we probe ourselves for just a moment, not too long even, most of us could probably find one thing in our life that we need to repent of. Something that's going on in our life that we're doing, that we know we shouldn't be doing, and we're even saying, oh, I'm sorry for, but we're not changing our behavior. Some of you might have 50 things. I don't know, you know. I mean, some of, we, we all have something, though. It's like if you're driving down the road with, uh, with your friend, right? And your friend is navigating. And, and as you're going along, your friend says, oh, take a left turn, right? And, and you turn the wheel and they start like, no, your other left, dummy, you know, because you turned right instead. And now you're going down another road. And you're like, oh, man, I, I am so sorry I turned the wrong way. Well, let's just keep going this way. Well, you got to turn around now. You got to, you're going this way. You need to stop, turn around and go the other way. Because just saying you're sorry doesn't get you on a new path, doesn't get you on a new direction. How about our thought life? Is our thought life something that's, that's pleasing to God? How about the relationships that, we're, that we have in our life? Are you making choices in your relationships that, that are breaking God's heart, that's directly going against the Bible. We're like, oh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not going to repent. I'm just going to say I'm sorry. Then we can all feel good about me, you know? Radical, immediate obedience is what God wants. He wants to say, like, you know what? My heart is broken because I did some horrible things. I have, me personally, I've done some horrible things in my life. And I would guess to say you're probably in a similar boat as me. And at some point, we just got to stop and say, 
I'm going to obey Jesus now. How can I say I'm following him if I haven't even turned from these things that are holding me captive? You know, baptism, we're doing a baptism today. And baptism is a demonstration of repentance. Baptism is a demonstration of repentance. In Luke chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized. To do what? To show they have repented of their sins. And what? And turn to God to be forgiven. See, they're clarifying. It's not just saying, oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's that baptism is saying, I am publicly showing that I've repented of my past, that I've repented of the things that I've habitually done, that I'm saying, I'm going to change my mind. I realize it hurts God, and I'm going to move forward. That's the purpose of baptism. See, baptism is, is symbolic of a new life. It's a, it's a change of direction saying, I was going this way, trying to live to please myself, and now I'm going to change direction and live to please God. In the Jewish tradition, there's something called uh, the, a mikvah. And mikvah was the ceremonial washings. They would wash for all kinds of things. They would wash before they ate. They'd wash after they touched a dead body. Um, they would wash, you know, after sex. They would wash after all kinds. Of, they had these ceremonial washings that says, now I'm, now I'm clean. Now I can go on. If you were an outsider and you wanted to become a Jew, you would have to go through a ceremonial cleansing, a baptism of sorts, to say, I'm going to renounce my old way of living, and now I'm following Jesus. Now how amazing would that have been to see John the Baptist, who's now baptizing in a different way that these Jews have never seen before. He's now baptizing, saying, you're baptizing, saying that you're repenting of all the evil in your life, that you're turning to God. In Romans 6, 4, it says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of God, now we may also live new lives. That's why baptism is so important. Because it, it's, a, it's a time where we're, where we're able to act out, to demonstrate, saying, I am repenting of my old ways. I'm, I'm making this as a line in the sand saying, I'm crossing over and I'm choosing to follow Jesus. There's nothing holy about the water. There's nothing holy about the, the you know, whatever it is that, you know, the weather or anything, what you wear, anything like that. It's saying, I'm making this choice to follow. King uh, Aegenus was baptized by St. Patrick. St. Patrick, you know, was a missionary to Ireland. And when the king there got, got baptized, they were out there in the water and, uh, and St. Patrick uh, apparently was like leaning on his staff and apparently his staff was sharp and he didn't realize it, but it was actually on the king's foot. And so, so he's there and he's kind of leaning on this thing and then, and then he baptizes the king and he gets up and then he sees the water is like all bloody around the king and he pulls it and sees this like gash in the king's foot and he says, what in the world? Like, why, why did you not stop me? Why did you just go through this so silently? And the king says, oh, I just thought this was all part of the ritual. And I promise you, those that are getting baptized today, we, we won't stab your foot, you know. But if you've sinned a lot, we're going to hold you under longer. Okay, yeah. no, I'm joking. Um, sort of. Uh, <laughs> but baptism is a symbol of that repentance. It's a symbol of that changed direction, that changed behavior. 
The next thing is repentance restores relationships. See, what is sin? Sin is really walking away from our first love. Our first love being God. I'm have, I have a relationship with God, but now I'm walking away to pursue my other interests in life. And repentance is returning back to God. It's like the story of the prodigal son. We know, many of us know that story. It was the story Jesus told. And he told the story about this, uh, this son who, who went to his dad and said, you know, I want all the money that you owe me. I'm not going to wait for you to die. I want my inheritance now. Has a sense of entitlement. Right? Do we ever get this sense of entitlement? Like, oh, people owe me something. People owe me something. So he's entitled. Like life owes him something. He goes out and he starts living the life. You know, he's partying. He's sleeping around. He's doing everything that he can figure out to do. He's living the life until the money runs out. And then he faces destruction. We see in Scripture in the story that Jesus tells us that he ends up feeding pigs and he's so hungry that he's like tempted to eat the food that the pigs are eating. But then after that, there's what? There's repentance. And the repentance is saying, you know what? Even my dad's servants are fed better than this. And I'm going to turn and I'm going to go home now. He's repenting, saying, I was going this way. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go home now. And listen, you know, here it says uh, in Luke 15, he says, when he, 15 verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home the hired servants have enough food to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. He came to his senses. He changed his mind. But then he got up and went, and he changed his actions too. It's not just enough to change our mind. But really, if we change our mind for real, then our actions will follow. And then skipping ahead to verse 20. It says, so when he returned home to his father, and while he was still, what? A long way off. What what does this imply to you? This implies to me that Papa was home looking. Like he sees him a long way off. It's not like, you know, he... You know, the son comes home, he's like banging on the door. Anybody home? Anybody home? No, it's just the father sees him a long way off. Dad's looking for him. Dad's waiting for him a long way off. And his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. See, that, that, that's a picture of, of what God, how God is looking for us, wanting us to repent, wanting us to turn back to him, wanting us to come and get right with him. And some of you might think, well, how could God want anything to do with me? Man, I've just screwed up. I've just done some bad stuff. Man, you don't know my past. No, it doesn't matter. It's not about your past. It's about the direction that you're going. See, we all come to that moment where it's time to just give up and turn to him. And then his response is that he's waiting for you with love and compassion. He's waiting for you to come back. Romans 2, 4. The last verse we're going to read it says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Man, reflect on your life for a moment. Man, God has been pretty tolerant of a bunch of junk in our lives. He's been really patient with us. Can't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God has been with you? Doesn't this mean anything to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. He's not looking for a half-hearted confession. He's not looking for a half-hearted apology. He's looking for repentance. His kindness is intended to turn us from our sin. His kindness leads us to repentance. Let's pray together.
Father, we come to you. And Lord, we ask you to break our heart for the things that break yours. Let us see our sin, not just in the way that it affects me personally, but in the way that it affects you. Help me to turn from my ways, not just to bring an apology, but to actually have a changed mind, a changed heart, and changed behavior. Now some you hear, you know, maybe you feel, maybe you've been walking with God for a period of time, but you've been kind of going through the, the apology motions. You just keep apologizing to God, just keep apologizing to, to friends, and there's no real repentance there. There's no real change. There's no real turning from your past. Then I would encourage you to take that step today and say, today is the day I'm going to actually repent of the things that I've done to hurt God. And this is going to change the direction of your life. And some of you, maybe you don't even know where you stand with God. But you're quite aware that you're not moving towards him, you're moving away from him. And my challenge to you is say, take that step, repent, turn around, let's move towards him. Let's move towards him. Some of you maybe are here today and you're at a point in your life and, and uh, you know, they said we're having a baptism. You're like, you know, I need to take the next step. And you're like, but I haven't filled out a piece of paper. Well, you know, I don't care about a piece of paper. This is about changing the direction in our life. And, and maybe for some of you, it's say, you know what? It's time to make that step. Make that step and say, I'm, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate that I'm, I'm repenting of my past and I'm moving forward. And, and, you know, quite frankly, there might even be people here that have been baptized before, and you're like, you know what, I did it, and I didn't even know what I was doing. And, uh, and it's time for me to do this, realizing this represents a repentant life. And if, if you're in any of those places right now, I would encourage you to, to pray along. Let, let's, let's come before God. Proclaim that he is Lord together. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sin. But more than that, today, I choose to turn from those things. I repent of those things. And I'm going to follow you. Not because how my sin affects me. Not even how my sin affects other people. But because of how my sin affects you. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to change my mind now. I'm going to change my behavior. And I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.